You're listening to the Word Radio Podcast. This week, we bring you a four-part series of messages on the fellowships that Irvin Robertson presented at Moody Week at Winona Lake, Indiana, 1978. Then on Friday, a standalone message on the Good Samaritan. Irvin Robertson was a 1938 graduate of MBI, missionary, author, MBI faculty member, and coordinator of the Boynton Beach Extension of Moody Evening School. Now, here is Irvin Robertson on Today in the Word Radio. During our last three or four hours together, a few of the things that God says to us from the Epistle of Paul to the Philippians. You will recall that we did suggest that according to the Schofield Bible, the key verse is Philippians 1.21, especially the first part of it, to me to live is Christ. To me to live or to me living is Christ. We saw likewise that the Apostle Paul makes a great deal of mention concerning the matter of rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We noticed in the first, on the first occasion we had together in chapter 1, at least we thought concerning the fellowship in the gospel. The two fellows in the one fellowship, the sharing together in all things in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we consider likewise the fellowship in grace. And I trust that God has spoken to each of us or reminded us, as oftentimes he needs to do again and again and again, we need to remember that you and I have been made fellow partakers in all of the riches of the grace of the infinite God, in whom we have redemption through his blood, writes Paul in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, of sins according to the riches of his grace, that of his fullness have we all received. And you please, I'm sure, have underlined the tense of the verb there, of his fullness all received, and grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. We noticed something about the fellowship of like-mindedness. The Fellowship of the One Mind of Philippians chapter 2, particularly with what I call selfless obedience. But we sought to underline chapter 2 and verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And suggest verse to the understanding of chapter 2 that this is indeed the mind of Christ of which Paul speaks in verse 5 of that same chapter. May I take the time, although time is really uh, of the essence of our program, just to repeat again for you these things, that the, that the message that Paul has for us in Philippians 2 is, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. Let this mind be in you, the mind of Christ, which is the mind of looking primarily upon the needs of others, of being sensitive to the needs of others, and eager to meet the needs of others. Let this mind, it says, you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, thought not equality with God something to be retained, but made himself of no reputation to the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross and all of this passage relates to that fourth verse 
which states the mind of Christ, the motivation that led the Lord Jesus to leave all of the felicities of heaven itself and come to this sin-cursed earth and go even to the, to the, the cross, the amazing, unbeatable shame of the cross. And it was all because he was motivated by concern for you and for me. And that you and I, who have the mind of Christ, might walk according to the mind of and seek by the grace of God, which is never failing, seek to emulate Christ in all that we do. And we close, you may remember, with the thought in prayer, at least, that God would give us in experience whereby we would naturally, we would normally, naturally, and even unthinkingly think about the other person first. But I must move on from that. I'm going to move into chapter 4 of Philippians tonight. With Open your Bibles to that chapter. And there is a section there that, of course, I'm sure many of you have long since memorized. The section beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which all understanding shall keep or guard or garrison your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me read these verses according to Philip's translation in modern speech. This, I think, is one of the better sections in that uh, translation, which is often a paraphrase I recognize, but, but one of the good one passages is this. Listen to it in Philip's. Delight thyself in the Lord. Yes, find your joy in him. Have a reputation for gentleness and never forget the nearness of the Lord. Never forget the nearness of the Lord. Don't worry over anything whatever. Tell God of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer, and the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will keep constant guard over your hearts and minds as they rest in Christ Jesus. So we're going to perhaps we should call it the fellowship of rejoicing. I've oftentimes in my teaching of Philippians suggested that the key verse might well be this fourth verse of the fourth chapter. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again rejoice. I was running over this just as we were coming across this beautiful, uh, shall we call it, campus or whatever it is tonight. And notice that in Philippians, no less than 16 times the apostle uses the word joy I think it's possibly for that reason that it is stated that 4-4 might well be the key verse. Although you cannot really separate 4-4 from 121. To me, living is Christ. Christ is rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord is living in Christ. You cannot really separate these. And joy, I believe, is to be the overwhelming hallmark of the believer. Some of us who are older, we used to think when we bought silverware, we would normally look to see whether it had the hallmark upon it. And the hallmark was simply the mark of genuineness. The proof that this was silver, as it was claimed to be, was the hallmark. 
joy, at least in my thinking, is the hallmark of the believer. Rejoice in the Lord how often? Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, you notice that Phillips translates this, delight thyself in the Lord. I'm sure that to many of you, immediately you think of that chorus which our brother Vern has taught us this week. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Let's look at that for these moments that we have together. Delight thyself in the Lord. This is a command. Yes, it is a reminder, but it is also a command that demands upon our part some deliberateness. We are to delight ourselves in the Lord. Said We are to cultivate the disposition of joy. The disposition of joy is something that is to be cultivated. Now, I recognize that we're all of different types of personalities, and those who study divide the personality spectrum into various and sundry types. But this comes to us no matter who we are. Some of us are more joyful, apparently, by nature than others. Some of us are more extrovert. Some of us are more introvert. But regardless of who we are, the Word of God comes to us all. Delight thyself in the Lord. The disposition of joy is to be cultivated you go back to the first psalm, that psalm again that we've repeated so many times, and no, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And you recognize immediately that the word blessed means what? The word blessed means happy. In the New Testament, the Greek word which is translated, it is two ways. At times it is translated blessed, and at times it is translated happy. So that when we read that blessed, or all oh, the blessednesses of the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor the scornful, we're speaking of the happinesses. Oh, the happinesses of the man whose delight is where? Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate at night. Oh, the happinesses that can be cultivated as we hide the Word of God in our hearts. Delight thyself in the Lord, and He shall give thee the joy, the, the desires of thy This is something that is to be cultivated. Like so many of the commands in the Word of God, we find the tense being used so consistently that implies, well, it not only implies, it, it teaches, it suggests, but it simply declares that the Lord has before us, which we must individually and personally take for ourselves. Put, on, put off the new man and put on the new man. Put on the whole armor of God, for instance, in Ephesians following. You have the picture there that God has literally laid before us all of the armor, all of the pieces of the armor that is ours. But God says, there it is, now you put it on for yourself. And likewise, to us, regardless of our disposition, regardless of our temperament, regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves, the command comes from the Lord, delight thyself in the Lord. Now, how does one begin to in the Lord? I'm sure, again, the answer is very obvious to most, if not all of you. You cannot delight yourself in the Lord apart from the Word of God. So that one must begin to emphasize that delight 
has to be related to the Word of God, the Word of the living God, the holy and inspired Word of God. Delight thyself in the Lord. Yes, begin by delighting thyself in the Lord, or in the Word, rather, uh, of Psalm 1. Some of you will remember the, 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 the Chinese evangelist Leland Wong. You remember that he was the one who made a play on the, the saying that used to emanate from, uh, from the Chinese laundries that were so prolific, at least at Moody. My first assignment, by the way, at Moody was to visit Chinese laundries because in those days we thought the Lord was taking us to China and we used to go from Chinese laundry to laundry. Well, uh, an expression that was common uh, in those days was laundry, or no ticky, no shirty, or something like that. No ticky, no washy. That was it, right? No ticky, no washy. Well, Leland Wong made the play on that, and he, and he said that he took as the motto for his life, no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. And we would love to simply emphasize that. No Bible, no breakfast is a good motto for any or all of us. Some of us are quite accustomed to getting up at 5.30 in the morning, our students do not always they come dreamy-eyed to class at 8. They don't realize that the teacher has been up since half past 5 and has been on the way for the last hour or hour and a half. But regardless of the time that one must needs rise in the morning, it is always, it is always, always a good principle to meet the Lord in the morning. No Bible, no breakfast is a good place to begin the day. We have just sung, count your many blessings. Take, take account of the things that are Lord Jesus Christ, friends. Count your many blessings, and the expression, praise the Lord, will come very, very easily from your lips. Now, when I say pray, praise the Lord, you recognize we are speaking of the Psalms, and we'll get into that just But to delight myself in the Lord, or delight ourselves in the Lord, where would we begin? May I suggest that we begin with the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul always never forgot the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember these expressions? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified to keep before us by the grace of God and the power of the indwelling Spirit the fact that Christ came, that he might die for us. We quoted at some length Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 this morning, where we read of the humiliation of Christ. Regardless of how much we grow, how much we are not growing in the Lord, no matter where we are in youth or in age or in childhood in the Christian message, we must never forget the cross upon which our Lord Jesus Christ you know, we hear about the cross so often in this blessed country of ours that the cross tends to become somewhat commonplace to us. Have you ever found that? We discover that in, in the ministry in India or a place similar to that, where the bulk of our days were spent in simply preaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, we had to be careful lest the gospel message became commonplace lest we fail to become heartbroken again and again as we thought of him upon that cross. I recall a missionary friend, a missionary who was in the northeast corner of India, who had spent months all by himself among the tribes in Burma. And it was a cold night, strangely enough to some of you in India, but it was in the mountains of northeast India. As we sat around that fire, he said, you know, I came to the place 
realized that, I, that the, the preaching of the cross was becoming commonplace to me. And I was losing the impact of the death of the Son of God, the Lord of life, upon that cross for me. And he said, I determined to, to read the 19th chapter at least once every week and to read it upon my knees that I might never lose the impact of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ upon my life. I determined, says Paul, not to know anything among you save Jesus him crucified. Begin with the cross, and then, of course, all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. I must needs move quickly through this. But when we say delight thyself in the Lord, not only, or should I say primarily, emphasize is delighting thyself in the Lord himself. You recall that this morning we suggested that the Lord Jesus came, and if I should ask any of you, why did Christ come to this earth? 98% at least would say he came to us, which is perfectly true. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. But we underline again the fact that the Lord Jesus came in order that he might reveal God. No God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath revealed him. So that when I command, when I'm commanded by the Lord to delight myself in the Lord, it means that I am to delight myself, the imperative, delight thyself in the Lord himself in the person of the Lord himself. Here, may I simply underline that, which I've done at least a thousand times more or less in the last year in the class, is where the book of the Psalms comes in. And here, friends, is where the matter of Scripture memorizing comes in. Now, personally, I do not believe it possible to meditate on the Word if one has not memorized the Word. At least meditate upon it day and night. And here is where these psalms come, come in. And I suggest that you memorize verses from the psalms from the strength, for the strengthening of your own faith, as well as for meditation on the Lord. Memorize the psalms for protection from the enemy. Memorize the psalms for witnessing among those who know not the Lord Jesus Christ. But, mem but delight thyself in the Lord himself. Become enamored, if I may put it that way, of the Lord Jesus. To me, to live is Christ. How can living be Christ if I know not Christ? Or may I put it this way, that the degree, the extent to which living for me is Christ is determined by the degree I know the Lord Jesus Christ, to the extent that I know him personally. When we're dealing with people, we say, receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you would grow in the grace and truth and the knowledge of the Word of God, you must needs grow in a relationship with the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The person who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I believe that God has led me these last couple of years at least to get involved in the Psalms. Personalize the Psalms. May I say that once again? As you read the Psalms, do not read them simply as a kind of devotional exercise, but seek by the power of the indwelling Spirit to make them personal. Make them part of your very life. Hide them in your heart. Memorize them so that it's very easy for you to talk to the Lord because you have, you have come to know the language of praise. The book of Psalms is the book 
personalize these praises if you would make the Lord personal in every area of living. There is no substitute, I believe, for the language of the Psalms. Sixty-six books in the Bible, we could say, that without any equivocation, rather, that, that 65 of them consist of God speaking largely to us. But the 66th of the book of Psalms, we find largely the psalmist speaking to the Lord. So that if I would learn the language of prayer, learning the language with which to address the Lord, I must become uh, involved, I must be absorbed into or absorb into myself the language of the Psalms. There is no substitute for memorizing. Take, for instance, that we, we mentioned a few hours ago. How easy it is to speak to the Lord, and what a, a precious thing it is to awake in the morning with such an expression upon your heart. I love thee, O Lord, my How often this day have you told the Lord that you loved him? I love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will trust in the Lord. I will praise the Lord at all times. The Lord is worthy. Or take that 63rd Psalm. I recommend 63 verses 1 through 8. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. There you have it, do you not? Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee. You see, these words, they may at first seem to be simply exaggerative expressions. But as one, as one hides these words in his heart, they become part of his very being. And he cannot speak of them without being moved. My heart longeth, my, my soul longeth for thee. My flesh thirsteth for thee and thirsty land where there is no water to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee thus will I bless thee while I live my hands in thy name when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches I love that particular verse some of us who are older are prone to become awake more often in the middle of the night that's an excellent verse. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Well, how can I meditate on him if I know not what the word says about him? Well, the Psalms are replete with verses like these. Lord, at all times, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, that God might imbue within us the desire to know the language of praise. Isn't it amazing? Some of us have gone to church to 30, 40, 50 years and how little we know of the word. How oftentimes we hear people say, it is so difficult to memorize. What system do you use? I do not use any system. But there are some excellent systems for scripture memorizing any of them. All you need to do is to memorize, quote, the word, verse by verse, as it may be. I was challenged perhaps a year or so ago when one of the missionaries who had been uh, badly mistreated in the Congo, as it used to be, she had been grossly mistreated and driven out a medical doctor, some of you would recognize as I speak of her. She was speaking in one of our classes at the Institute, and she told that when she had gone back to Zaire after all of the tribulation, 
taken place there. When the Lord's people had literally lost everything, she went back to her own particular area and said that was the situation. They had literally lost everything. Not only their Bibles and all that pertained unto the house of God, but they had lost everything that had been theirs. And she said, when we went back, we discovered this, that these dear people, with all of their minimal education compared to ours, had determined that they would never again be without the Word of God. And you know what they were doing? They divided their tribe off into sections, into groups, and they were literally memorizing the books of the Bible. And this group over here was memorizing Genesis. And here was another memorizing Exodus, and so on through the books of the Bible. <clears throat> I was tremendously challenged by that very, very situation. Memorizing the books of the Bible. Who is there among us who could not memorize the word of the living God? There is no substitute for memorizing Scripture, and there is no substitute for the Psalms when it comes to learning the language of praise and the language of prayer. I challenge anyone to study the Psalms and not find himself praising the Lord throughout the day. It's something and easily and normally. I must hasten on. I have three and a half minutes to go. But I wanted to speak from verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. There's another command from the Lord. Let your moderation be known unto all men. As uh, Phillips translates it, have a reputation for gentleness. Or you could put it this way, develop a reputation for gentleness or for sweet reasonableness, as someone has translated the word. A reputation for sweet reasonableness, for considerateness, for geniality, for charitableness. Now this, I must underline, first of all, this would involve remembering what we said about that is ours in Christ Jesus. Remember that all of the riches of God's grace are yours and are mine. And you and I can develop a reputation for sweet reasonableness. It may involve a willingness to give up our own rights. If the Lord Jesus gave up his rights, and let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. A willingness to give up our rights. But it also involves an eagerness, an eagerness to be a blessing to others. Look not every man on his own things, but, O oh God, give to us the propensity, give to us the ability of being more sensitive to the needs of others. Make me eager this day to be a blessing, not only to one or two, but be a blessing, a channel of blessing to everyone with whom I might come in contact. Deliberateness. Deliberately seek to be a channel of blessing unto others. Why should I do this? Because, as Paul says, the Lord... Now, I recognize that some would say this means that we're never to forget the nearness of the rapture of the church. Could be. Paul, in writing the Thessalonians, said, You turn to God from idols to serve the living and the true God while His Son from heaven. But I don't believe that's what it's meant here. Let your sweet reasonableness be known unto all men, Always or never forget the nearness of the Lord. Never forget the nearness of the Lord. You see, this is an incentive to holy living. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For as much as he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
a Scottish old woman, presumably, is said to have said to a boy, Laddie, folks, see that God's eye is on you to mark out your sins and shortcomings. But always remember, it's because he loves you that he never loses sight of you. John Bunyan was arrested for preaching. It took his friends two years to discover that he had been hidden away in Bedford Jail. When one got to him, he said, Oh, at last thou art found. And Bunyan replied, Brother, you are wrong. Has known for two years that I have been there. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore, let your sweetness, oh, dear friends, will you just get hold of it? Let your sweetness, let your geniality, let your considerateness, let your lovableness be known unto all men. Why? Because the Lord, the Lord of grace, is always there. Shall we look? Father, what a privilege it is to speak of these things that thou hast given to us. Thank thee, O God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit himself who takes these things, the things of Christ, and makes them real and precious unto us. Do, dear Lord, sanctify this, thy word, unto each of us, that we may be characterized as those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, and who, because they love the Lord Jesus Christ, love those who love Jesus Christ. And because we love those who love the Lord Jesus Christ, we long that those who know him not might come to know him whom to know is life abundant and life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and one of the fellowship messages that Irvin Robertson presented at Moody Week at Winona Lake, Indiana, 1978. Irvin Robertson, a graduate of MBI, missionary, author, MBI faculty member, and coordinator of the Boynton Beach Extension of Moody Evening School. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Moody Radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.